Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Doom Productions podcast, a podcast where we share filmmakers' worst nightmares. I'm Ethan. I'm Jordan. I'm Zach. Every week we talk about the production of a film uh, that one reason, for one reason or another, ran into big problems. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this week. How are you guys doing, though, before we, we jump into it? Good. Doing well. Um, nice. There's been some fun developments on the product on our production side of things yeah um well there's a script that ethan told us about well told me yeah. about just now and i'm pumped for it zach yeah. we'll we'll fill you in afterwards but it's it's looking pretty juicy over here at doom productions right. yeah we'll talk we'll talk I, at the I end of this you, podcast you about... Me about it about a week ago or so i'm i i know a little bit yeah no, yeah. at the end of the podcast, after we talk about this movie, we'll um we'll share some stuff, but and then after this recording, we'll we'll share even more. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you didn't know to our listeners, we don't just do this podcast, we also make movies. You can check yeah. them all out on our channel for free. These are feature-length movies um that you can watch and some shorts, old shorts, but mostly features these days. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if you're you know, like me, and you're just scrolling through Netflix, you have no idea what to watch because there's too much stuff or and you have all these options of Hulu, HBO, you know, Amazon, like all these different options, streaming services, head on over to YouTube and watch our stuff, because I guarantee you, you won't see anything like our stuff on any other streaming service. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, But uh, like we said, this is uh, the time where we share about movie productions that had harrowing stories. And some of the movies we share about go on to great success and others mm -hmm. uh, fall into obscurity. So today, the movie I want to talk about is a film called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Okay. Have either of you guys seen this movie? I have not seen or it. Or know about it. it. I, I have not seen it. But from my limited knowledge, I'm aware that there have been decades, if not a century, of attempts to try to get a movie made of Don Quixote. Am I yeah? Am I right or in the right area there? Yeah, you're in the right area. And I'm not gonna talk about any attempts uh to adapt the novel before this movie, uh -huh. but I'm specifically gonna be talking about the Terry Gilliam film that uh came out in 2018. So, but it's got a long harrowing process to get well, this movie made. Um, that, I've seen it actually. I own okay. a DVD copy of it that I found at Winco for like five bucks. And I knew I had heard about it. I knew it was a movie that um, Adam Driver acted in. So that, that was why I bought it. Mm -hmm. I like Adam Driver. I think he's a great actor. And so I was like, oh yeah, that's like from earlier on in his career. So I was pretty interested in picking that up. So um, yeah, so I've seen it, but in this podcast, we don't talk so much about the movie's um, like reception or, or like our own views of it. We just share the facts. So um, just know that going in. But yeah, uh, without any more delay, let's just jump on in. So um, yeah, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, like I said, directed by Terry Gilliam, known for making things like Monty Python. Um, whoa, oh my gosh. Uh, Brazil. Brazil. 12 Brazil. Monkeys. Yeah, Jordan's got it. Thank you. I just totally blanked on a whole bunch of movies all at once. Um, the writer was Terry Gilliam and his co-writer was Tony Grissoni. I hope I'm saying that right. But if I'm not, 
Tony Grassoni is so fun to say that I'm going to go with it anyways. Is he Italian? Um, yeah. And uh, the movie obviously or was inspired by and adapted from uh, the novel Don Quixote. So the movie was starring Adam Driver, uh, Gene, oh my gosh, Rochefort, Ro- Rochefort. The names are killing me on this one today. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Price, Stellan Skarsgård, and jo- Joanna joanna oh my gosh ribiero gosh thank you guys for bearing with me on all those names so <clears throat> jumping into when this movie first got uh put together or get the ideas first started churning for it um terry gilliam had read the novel back in 1989 and started kind of working on some form of an adaptation uh of a script from the novel to to a screenplay and he liked this movie partly because he saw a lot of parallels between the novel and his own works. Um, some of the, the themes and ideas that he saw in the book, he liked and he felt like were in parallel with the things he was making. So, um, yes. Can, can I, have you read the book? No. Okay. I haven't read it either, but the way it's been described to me is it's kind of like kick ass, but in the like, old time like like 16th century or something like that like a guy who yeah. wants to be a medieval knight yeah he's it's a guy he's crazy pretty much he's a crazy dude who um wants to fight giants but is that, is that what it, what it is having seen the movie of don quixote uh, yeah a little yes yes okay. and no you'll okay. see how the adaptation kind of shifts um in ways like and how it kind of incorporates that without being such a direct adaptation of the novel um this movie goes through a lot of rewrites i'll just say that up front this movie goes through decades of rewrites um so the, the film that he was writing originally was about uh a retired slightly kooky nobleman named alonzo uh we, oh gosh, some of the names are really hard. Alonzo, who uh, reads too many romances, chiv- like chivalry romances, and taking like leave of all of sanity, he sets off to fix the world, revive chivalry, clad in makeshift armor, and accompanied by a donkey-owning farmer named Sancho Panza, who serves as his squire. Similar to the novel, um, but a little bit different. Um, so that was the first draft they started working on back in 1989. So fast forward one year, Terry Gilliam had signed a deal with Phoenix Pictures. Perfect, Jordan, you got the novel. I haven't um, read it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one year later, he signs a, a deal with Phoenix Pictures to make a film titled Don Quixote. And for his first round of casting, Sean Connery was uh, slated to star uh, uh, in the film. But Terry Gilliam wasn't a very big fan of Sean Connery. He just felt like he wasn't right for the role. Um, And some other people that were set to possibly take the role were Nigel Hawthorne as Don Quixote and Danny DeVito as his sidekick, Sancho, which would have been a phenomenal movie. Just when Danny DeVito thrown into anything is great. Well, just him having that name, Sancho Panza. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's Danny DeVito. <laughs> um, but Gilliam decided later on that the budget that was offered by the studio, um, Phoenix Pictures, was too low to get the movie made. So 
the project was dropped um, and he focused on a different movie of his called Defective Detective, which I believe was going to star uh, Nicolas Cage, but that movie Ooh. didn't get made. Um, oh. So that project also fell through later on. Um, Phoenix, but Phoenix Pictures held on to the script and they mm -hmm. replaced Gilliam and they were going to make it with a different director, um, uh, Fred uh, Chapesi. Mm -hmm. Chapisi, sorry. Um, and John Khaleesi and Robin Williams were going to play Don Quixote and Sancho Panza, respectively. Um, but that movie also did not get made. Um, it got canceled in 1997 after a couple of rewrites, and they were trying to get the script put together, but just nothing came of it. So that project fell through, and Gilliam started to write a new script with this co-writer, Tony Grissoni retitling it uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. And this was a new script with a new uh, plot. And the movie was going to kind of center around a modern day marketing executive being sent back in time and meeting Don Quixote. So a bit more uh, sci-fi zany. Um, it, it was getting, the project was getting a lot bigger in scale. Um, and at the premiere of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas uh, in 1998, which Gilliam also directed, he announced that this movie, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, would be his next film that would come out. Um, now, because of what went down with Phoenix Pictures, Terry Gilliam didn't feel like he wanted to deal with the Hollywood system. So instead, he wanted to go to Europe to get this movie made. Um, and it was actually said to, at this time, was going to be the biggest European budget film it was going to be around 32.1 million dollars um and gilliam later said that this was only half the money that was really going to be needed to make this movie the way he wanted to but mm. that was the budget they were stating they were going to try and go for um so gene Roche rochefort um was cast to play don quixote and they spent he spent seven months learning english for this role oh wow yeah, so he was taking it really seriously. He really wanted the role, and Gilliam really wanted him in the role. Um, and the main, the producer character that was going to be in the movie, his name was going to be Toby. And um, Toby was going to be played by Johnny Depp. Um, and the female love interest was going to be Vanessa Par uh, Paradis. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that was oh, okay. the slated cast. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so just before production was starting in Europe, uh, it was going to start in Spain in September of 2000. Um, they ran into issues of uh, schedule cast, uh, cast scheduling. So a lot of the actors they found out right before shooting weren't going to be able to be on set at the same time. And they were starting off filming a lot of scenes where everyone was supposed to be on set together. So they were really quickly trying to scramble and trying to figure out how they were going to make this work. They weren't really sure how they were going to film it. Um, and... They were also set as their first location to be filming next to a NATO military base. And the problem with that was they were also having F-16 fighter jets flying over set constantly. Ooh. And all the audio that they were getting was unusable. So they had to tack on like extra scheduled days for just ADR re-recording because there was no way they could use anything that they had gotten on set. That was day one. And on this you know it's gonna be great when it's you just described day one but day two um on of filming there was a flash flood in spain destroying 
a large portion of equipment and um, also their sets. And it changed the landscape so much, both in like, particularly in its color. So mm -hmm. all the footage they had shot was unusable due to continuity oh. errors because it like totally changed everything. And the crew spent the next several days trying to recover equipment, get new supplies. Um, and the insurance, it turned out the insurance that the film had didn't cover the damage caused because of a flood. Like that wasn't mm -hmm. included in their, their coverage. Um, and several of the actors also just straight up didn't show up to set like beforehand. So they were already kind of like doing this with both legs tied, <laughs> both arms tied. Like it was just not going well. Uh -huh. They're having a really hard time getting this made. So by the fifth day of filming, their lead actor, um, John, uh, Jean, Jean was um, doing scenes where he had to ride a horse and act. And he knew how to ride a horse, but the crew was noticing that he was like wincing in pain a lot while he was riding. And when they had to like get him off the horse, he needed assistance. And also he needed like, like he was having a hard time walking afterwards. Mm -hmm. So ultimately he was rushed to his doctor in Paris um, and they found out that not only did he have like prostate issues that he was suffering from, but he had a double herniated disc in his back. Ah, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. So he's trying to do all these scenes. And like, Man. also all that footage was unusable because you could just like tell he was in pain the whole time <laughs> and was just not able to do it. Um, so that automatically made it uncertain of when and if he could return to set. Um, and this was a lot for Gilliam. He wasn't really sure where this put him in terms of production. And he was trying to make this perfect cast and he felt like he had everything he wanted. But ultimately by November of 2000, they canceled production. So yeah. it was done. Can, yeah. I, can I say what's funny about this story, this production story so far is yeah. in all the movies we've talked about, if it had, if this production had been done by the other people we've talked about on this podcast so far, they yeah. would have just kept going. Oh, 100%. Terry Gilliam is smart. Well, I'm, not that the others are dumb, but like, yeah, he's he's wise enough to have that insight of like, I think the movie's just done. Yeah. Or whoever made that decision, like good, like good call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like Gilliam was the one to make this decision. Um, And yeah, it totally was like, not coming together i think he knew that like there was too much necessary and too much at stake to make it work on this round so after this production was canceled an insurance claim was filed on behalf of the investors uh 15 million dollars were reportedly paid from the insurance um and the rights of the screenplay sc the rights of the screenplay passed on to the insurance companies oh um wow yeah like there was just a lot of legal stuff going on with this but <clears throat> he they lost they lost the rights to that screenplay um so fast forwarding to 2005 gilliam tried to recast the lead role and tried to also gain new funding for this project but the film had already gotten such a bad reputation that he couldn't get traction of investors or actors for the movie so it just kind of was sitting in like production hell. Um, mm. And so he was like, all right, this isn't coming together. And he focused on other projects that he wanted to get made that, um, but a lot of those also didn't get made, unfortunately. So these include, again, I mentioned earlier, Defective Detective, which was going to star Nicolas Cage. Um, he wanted to do an adaption of Good Omens, the Neil Gaiman um, yeah, novel, yeah. but uh, because of 9-11, 
actually they the studios were like oh this is too dark we don't want to deal with this right now so they um ultimately said no to that project um he made a brother's grim uh i think it was a series actually not a movie it's no but that's a movie. It's a that's movie is it a movie yeah. okay i wasn't sure. i couldn't remember if it, it was has a series um or a movie. i think it's got um um like heath ledger in it or something yeah mm. and then yeah. bring up heath ledger there was the imaginarium of dr Moranis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which Heath Ledger dot died mid-production of. And then um, Johnny Depp replaced him and like mm-hmm. a couple other actors too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Johnny Depp and Gilliam, um, they have a long working relationship together because after 2006, Gilliam uh was ready to give Don Quixote another shot. Um, and Johnny Depp was again tied to the the project as the lead character, Tony. Um, so they were going to continue to work together. Um and Tony, the writer, Tony Grissoni, was working on another script. Um, so they were continuing kind of the same rough plot, um, but they were starting a re, they were redoing it again. Um, and over time, other actors um, got recast and added to the project, like Robert Duvall was going to play Don Quixote. Um, and Ewan McGregor was also added to the cast at some point. Um, and come around to 2010, production finally was like, kind of finally setting into place even though like johnny depp in um interviews up to this time was talking about how he was like i love terry gilliam but i'm not sure when or how this is going to happen and if i'm even going to be tied to it but he was like kind of like it's just up in the air too much i'm not gonna say one way or another if this movie's going to happen um so resources were starting to get gathered funding but funding collapsed in july of 2010 again so it, it fell through. Um, and so delays of shooting kept happening. And by 2012, production still hadn't started. So uh, Ewan McGregor dropped from the film, but Duvall was uh, still trying to stick around. Fast forward to November of 2013, Gilliam in an interview, this is just a quote, said, I'm going to try and do it again. We'll see if it happens. I just want to make it and get rid of it and get it out of my life. So he was like dead set on making the movie, but was like definitely like over it. <laughs> yeah. So that's before cameras start rolling too. <laughs> yeah, cameras haven't started rolling since uh what year again? Two thousand. And now we're in two thousand and thirteen. Oh um <laughs> and now we're gonna flash forward to September of 2014. <laughs> okay. There's just these year-long gaps where okay. Finally, on September 29th, 2014, Terry Gilliam said that production was going to start up again in the Canary Islands. And he revealed that he had received funding, but the plot of the film had changed. And this is what the plot was going to be. Our main character was actually making a Don Quixote movie or had made a Don Quixote Quixote movie earlier in their life. And the effect of the film had an effect on many people that wasn't very good. Um... Some people got mad, some turned to drinks, some become whores. So it's like this. And then it's like the effects of this character running into the, the same people years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so John Hurt was confirmed to be coming on um, as Don Quixote, replacing Robert Duvall. And Jack O'Connell was cast as the lead role of Toby. Um, but then by 2015, in June, um, Terry Gilliam had also gotten a deal with Amazon Studios to release the film theatrically, theatrically for like a month. And then it was mm-hmm. going to go to streaming um, for like a debut. 
but in September of 2015, um, John Hurt was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer um, right before they were going to start filming. So he had to drop from the project. Um, and then he later passed away in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, but he never came back to the project. Um, so this is where things kind of feel like they're uncertain. But there's this guy who like steps into the picture, this producer. His name is Paulo Bronco. Paulo Bronco. Paulo Bronco. Bronco. He's the producer that steps into this project. And he's like the knight in shining armor that this thing needed. He's going to get this thing made for Terry Gilliam. So <clears throat> in 2016, he promised Gilliam that he could get him the minimum amount of about 16 million euros that this movie's budget reportedly needed to get made. So Gilliam was like, at the very least, I need 16 million euros. And Paulo Bronco was like, dude, I got you. So <clears throat> we all need a homie like that in our lives. Yeah, yeah, I know. Tony Bronco or Paulo Bronco is just the man. So the cast had yet again, uh, or had shuffled around a lot. Like there were a lot of new characters. Um, Adam Driver was now on to play Toby, the main character. Mm -hmm. uh, Michelle Palin was, uh, or Michael Palin, sorry, was going to play uh, Don Quixote. Um, and Adam Driver was going to be paid 610,000 euros. And Michael is going to be paid about 285,000 to play Don Quixote. Um, and again, the plot of this movie had kind of shifted around. This new one would be set entirely in like modern day. Um, Toby was going to be directing a commercial and coming across a copy of his old student film, retelling the famous Don Quixote story, um, which leads him back to the town in like Spain that he shot this short film of his when he was in film school. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's just a bunch of adventures that he gets caught up in um, throughout the story. So, and he like runs into an old actor of his who still believes that he's Don Quixote all these years later. So it's kind of that's, a that's little messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funky. Um, so Paulo is like, all right, let's get this thing started. Um, but Paulo also was starting to start fighting for creative control over the movie. Mm. Like he was like, this is going to be my movie. If this thing is getting made. Um, and other people had started to tell Terry Gilliam, that this Paulo Bronco guy isn't a very good dude, but Terry Gilliam kept him attached to the project because he thought that the movie was just never going to get made if he didn't have someone driving this hard for it. Mm -hmm. um, but because of Paul Blanco and his reputation, Amazon pulled out of the project because they didn't want him attached oh. to it. Like they didn't trust him. What What has he done before? Um, I, I, hold on. I need to... I'm going on to do a quick Wikipedia search. Yeah. So he's a Portuguese film producer. Holy crap. He's produced over 300 movies. Yeah. He's done a ton of work. Wow. Um, and he's still working. Yeah. So you can see he's got like a long, very extensive producer list. I mean. Doesn't say he what he's done. I want to well, know. Well, we've got the domain mysteries of Lisbon. These are just like a couple. But I mean, in terms of why he was disliked. 
I think he was just very cutthroat and you'll kind of get a sense of why in a second. Okay. Gotcha. So no, okay. Yeah. Just his personality. It seemed like his no. personality is his main okay. thing. Like he's okay. done a lot, like he's seasoned, but it's how he goes about things. And you'll, you'll get a sense of this pretty quick here. Okay. Um, okay. Let me see where my notes are. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. So Amazon pulled out of the project because of Paulo Blanco being attached to it. But Gilliam was like doubling down, stating publicly about it, that uh, the movie is on its way to completion. We're going to do it anyways. And they were going to start shooting in October of 2016. And he was like, this is how it's going to be. Um, but things got more tense later on when Bronco tried to reduce the budget needed from 16 million euros. Um, like he wanted to bring it down as much as possible. Um, so he was going to cut the pay of Michael the guy playing uh, Don Quixote from 285,000 down to a hundred thousand. And wow. the actor was obviously yeah. not happy about it. And neither was Gilliam. Gilliam wrote to Blanco stating that the pay cut was totally unacceptable and unprofessional. But Blanco mm -hmm. replied that the film needed a true producer referring to himself as the captain of the project. And so he wow. wouldn't back down either. Oh my so, gosh. So, Fast forward to April of 2016, Gilliam signed a deal where in exchange for producing the film, Bronco would earn, in addition to his own salary, a salary of 750,000 euros um, that Gilliam would uh, have been, that Gilliam would have been paid for writing and directing the film. So like he's wow. taking full, like all the money and taking full control over the project. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. Cool. And and also Bronco tried to reduce the salaries of the crew, um, including like the hairstylist, the assistant directors, um, and the unit production ma manager, who was Amy Gilliam, um, Terry's daughter. So he's trying to cut everyone's salaries as much as possible to not have to pay as much. And he also was trying to um, push for Michael Palin like to get recast because he was too old for the role and to cut costs. He also wanted the film to be shot digitally instead of on film. They're going to shoot on 35 mm. millimeter. Um, and Bronco so he's, again, he's cheap. He's cheap. Oh, he's, as super hell. cheap. He's, <laughs> he's hella cheap. And <laughs> there's an exchange that's quoted um, that Bronco was saying to Gilliam, either you make the film my way or you irredeemably, irredeemably compromise the feasibility of the project and your film is condemned it will never see the light of day that's quoted as something he said to terry gilliam so Harsh. he's like holding this film hostage wow and it's like it's me or nothing well, especially um, after going through all that yeah past, and you know like, the almost 20 no heck yeah. like 30 40 years do you think Gilliam is by this point? Do you think he cares, or is he just like totally like he's seen it all by this point, and he's like, dude, you don't scare me. I, I it kind of goes back and forth because he doesn't back like he keeps him around for for now. Uh huh. But he like this Paulo Bronco definitely has a way of like getting what he wants because mm -hmm. he he fights really hard with Gilliam, um, to get these things, and he's mostly successful, but. The real terrible thing. So we're in April still. <laughs> we're in April. So we're past when shooting was supposed to start. So it was start in October the previous year. Wow. Um, let me make sure that number is correct. Because they were going to start. 
Dude, oh, no, no, no. We're, we're, no, no, no. We're still good because it was supposed to start in October 2016. We're in April 2016. Okay. But by okay. this point, okay. okay, so cameras weren't start, supposed to start rolling, but Bronco still hadn't gotten the money that he was supposed to have gotten. The $16 million, the budget for the movie, he still hasn't gotten it. And on April 6th, Bronco sent an email to Terry Gilliam urging him to accept conditions um, that pretty much he, like all this stuff like that he was going to all the money, all the control. He was still like pushing Terry Gilliam to like hand all of that over um, and was threatening to cancel the project altogether and fire the crew and cast if that didn't happen. Um, and again, Terry answered these demands were unacceptable and incompatible with the contract that he'd previously signed. He was like, this is like way too much. Um, and Bronco then suspended production on October 2nd. Oh, wow. Um, so this big power struggle ended with that. But then Gilliam kept trying to work on um, with new producers. So he's trying to find new homies to roll with. Yeah. I yeah, guess we, this... we don't need a homie like Paul yeah. Bronco. <laughs> I set you guys up a little bit. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so he finds new producers and he starts production over entirely again. Uh, Driver is still attached as Toby and um, his female lead is also still attached. Um, and Jonathan Price is cast as Don Quixote. Um, Gilliam felt like over the years, uh, these were all the perfect people that he wanted. Um, he felt really happy with this, this cast that he's landed on now. He felt like it's like all been worth it, the waiting and everything. So with his new production producers, they secure 17 million euros, which mm -hmm. is a million more than the budget needed for like the minimum. And Gilliam announces that filming is going to start in March of 2017. Um, okay. The crew, but to do this, to make this movie work, the crew agreed to work for lower rate wages than they would normally be paid. Um, and just to get the movie made. And on the 4th of June, 2017, Gilliam announced that film only, filming was finally completed. So it took oh, 17 wow. years to get the movie like made. Was that the same crew? Like when Paul Bronco was a Paul part of this, was the crew at that time carried over from Gil Lar like Largely, yes. Okay, yeah, so okay. I can see how they would be like, yes, we like see yeah. your passion. We want to, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then in December of 2017, Terry announced that the movie was pretty much finished um, and it had a runtime of 132 minutes. So nice. And then in come May of 2018, um, Amazon Studios dropped from the projects um, again. Like they were kind of always in and out a little mm -hmm. bit. Like he kind of had buddies at Amazon studios, but um, they were in for a while and then they dropped back out. Um, yeah. And then there was also an error, like a, a report that Gilliam suffered a, a stroke right after that happened, but that was not the case, but that was what okay. was reported at the time. Um, it was just a minor medical thing. So in my notes, I just have a thing titled Bronco is back. Bronco's back. Bronco's back, baby. You remember our money, Bronco? What did he do? He does a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> going back to 2017 in June, 
Bronco claimed that he owned the rights to the movie that uh, Gilliam was making due to the agreements that he made and signed back when back in 2016. Mm-hmm. So he said that he owned uh, he owned the salary of Gilliam. Um, he said that um, since he, but Gilliam said that since Bronco didn't get the funds for the movie, that he didn't have to uphold his end of the deal. Um, however, Bronco claimed that he still owned the rights and was still owed by Gilliam his salary, despite not providing the financial backing for the film that was planned. Um, and according to the producers that Gilliam had, he asked to be paid a total of 3.5 million euros. So Bronco was asking for that much money. That's like 2 million before oh the release gosh. and 1.5 million after release of the movie. That's at least like a fifth or a fourth or like a, a fourth of the budget for the movie for doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Gilliam tried two times to legally have the contract nullified in court. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it once in Paris and once in London, but both courts ruled in Bronco's favor. Wow. So they were like, yeah, no, he, you own the money. And then he retried again in 2017, but it also was unsuccessful. They did not nullify the agreement. So by April of 2018, Gilliam and his producers had not paid Bronco stating that his claims were totally unfounded. They still didn't agree with the rulings of the court and they refused to pay. Um, but Bronco still That's also That's like me down. with my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I will not pay one cent. Dude, the IRS is about to come after this podcast so quick. <laughs> but Bronco was also doubling down saying that like he had the rights to the film and that it, the film could not be released without his permission, which led to another court battle and the film not being uh, stated to play at the 2018 Cannes Film Festival. Oh, damn. Because they were like, yeah, we're not. Yeah, can't play it. Um. And Bronco said he was, or Bronco was intentionally trying to prevent the film from premiering at the film festival because, and with the hearing timing, he wanted the hearing to be on May 7th to decide whether or not to authorize at the festival because that was really close to the play date. But um, on May 9th, it was announced that the film would be allowed to premiere. So nice. for a while they blocked it, but then they opened it back up to play. And the festival, the reason was the festival organizers said that the Cannes Film Festival's mission is to choose work purely on artistic grounds and selections must, above all, uh, be with the agreement of the film's director. This is the Mm. case here. Past experience has made us aware of possible legal action and the risks we are running. But as it happens, when we took our decision, there was no opposition to the screening of the film at the festival. So the film festival backed Gilliam on this one. So Caleb Robinson could make a bootleg Paul Blart three, and they'll, it they'll screen it. And according to that merit, if they found it had artistic value, they would like they would back it. Yeah, even if it wasn't legal. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's where they decided to land on for this for the ruling. So and then in June. The Paris Court of Appeal ruled again in favor of Bronco owning the rights to the film. And he also said that he wanted to seek damages from what Gilliam, um, from Gilliam, who had to pay $11,600 to Bronco's production company. So he's going for more. Wow. Um, but from anyone who was involved, at, oh, um, 
um anyone who's involved makes it simple okay and the, okay sorry i was rereading my notes okay so he had to pay eleven thousand six hundred to broncos film company but from anyone who was involved in making of the film um and broncos said that any exploitation of the film um up until now has been completely illegal without authorization of his film company and will be seeking damages with the interests of the people involved in this legal illegal production and above all all those who are complicit in this illegal exploitation we're holding everyone responsible the film's producers all of the others who supported the film including those who distributed the film in in France at the film festival everyone so he's like going after every single person involved with this production and wants to get like like, money back he's out for blood yeah Yeah. (laughs) this guy's merciless and then so later that month it was reported that although the court ruled in favor bronco producer one of the producers claimed that gilliam in fact still retained the rights of the film and saying that bronco overstretched his victory in the ruling and gilliam um overstretched his Think his uh, victory in the ruling. Gilliam never shot a frame of film under the deal with Bronco, and as such, the former producer does not own any rights. However, since Gilliam did a poor job of terminating the contract with Bronco, there was still a financial settlement settlement that would need to happen between the two parties and the ex-producer. So there was kind of like this simmering down mm-hmm. of the film, finally, of, of all this legal trouble. On uh, the 17th of December, uh, Screen Media Films acquired the North American rights to the film and set a March 2019 release date. Um, But the film was released in the U.S. and Canada on April 10th, 2019 um, and had a one night screening in theaters through like Fathom Mm -hmm. events. Um, Yeah, so it was it was very limited release. Um, And then you can find it at winco on dvd sometimes if you're looking hard enough like i did (laughs) yeah um in terms of reception um it received fairly mixed reviews overall um i'm talking about like on things like metacritic or or rotten tomatoes um so take those reviews as as you will um but rotten tomatoes gave it a 65 percent um review based on the 126 like reviews um and Metacritic gave it a score of 58 and IMDb gave it a 6.3 out of 10 rating. And most of this is pretty, like all the reviews are kind of the same, more or less. Um, the movie is endearing and charming, but uh, kind of a mess and uh, far from perfect because it's just very, I don't know. I feel like the movie kind of, people are saying it it's kind of just all over the place and mm-hmm. kind of loses focus on its plot sometimes and kind of just does a lot of things without kind of feeling like you're going in any direction. So yeah. Lucky for them. I don't believe in plot. <laughs> it has a plot, but sometimes <laughs> I think people felt like it forgot the plot. So that's that. And that's, that's the reviewers. So that's kind my, of how it all kind of summed up. My them. My grandparents saw the movie when it came out on VOD and they were like, yeah, they were like, we saw this really weird movie when we were on our trip. We, so you, it's probably something you'd like. That's like how, that's what they told me. (laughs) They were like, we bet Jordan would really like this movie because they, I don't think they liked it very much, but they thought it was really weird and Mm. strange. 
as someone who's seen it, I will say it's kind of weird and strange, but it's yeah. enjoyable. I think for the right person, it's a really fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. But for the wrong cool. person, I don't think they'll like it. But, you know, ain't that movies. <laughs> yeah. That... yeah. That's that's the story of the man who killed Don Quixote. I didn't know. Um, I mean, I knew it was a troubled production, but I didn't know the extent of all that trouble and everything. That was really interesting. It was years, just 17 years to get it mm-hmm. shot. But then there's even more before. So, it, yeah. It's mm-hmm. more like 30, 30 years if you're going all the way back to 1989. Yeah. I might be misremembering this, and I'm going to do a quick search as I'm looking, as I'm saying this, but I think I've heard that um, like Orson Welles tried to do Don Quixote way back mm. in the day. Like when he mm. was, when he signed on to do uh, Citizen Kane, like he signed a two picture deal. I heard that that might have been one of the. Um, mm movies he tried to do or maybe i missed i'm i'm probably totally misremembering it um yeah i i don't know i didn't research any other productions i do not see okay i'm probably totally wrong then orson wells has not tried to do it as far as this my search really quick but it there's been a lot of a adaptions or attempted adaptions it looks like but mm-hmm. yeah anyways it's um yeah it's it's pretty wild and yeah, I'm 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 impressed that he was able to keep going for so long. Well, just at the movie, I I didn't know any of this watching the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so now knowing all of this, going back and watching it, that's kind of incredible that the movie even got made. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm happy mm-hmm. I own a copy of it, um, yeah. just for that, because it's just like it is a weird movie, but it's like, man, he did that. <laughs> Don't let your memes yeah. be dreams. There's a documentary about the 2000 attempt with Johnny Depp. And mm-hmm. well, I know that they're like, or I was aware that there was like, he tried to do a version a long time ago and it didn't happen. And they took like, they made a documentary about it. So I know I'm curious to see what, what's in that footage and in, in that documentary. Yeah. I didn't get around to watching it. So I, I uh, don't know, but. Yeah. Yeah, what's but what's the lesson here do you don't work with uh paulo bronco don't avoid paulo blanco yep bronco. read the fine print in your uh contracts you sign when you decide to make yeah. a movie fine yeah print. um be persistent sometimes the timing's not right and that's okay but yeah. no no one to give up too because he yeah he gave up a couple of times it seems like yeah you walked away from the project yeah i'm yeah but it's uh i'm curious what his original script like way back in the 80s would have been like in or in 89 like yeah as a straight adaptation i'm curious what that would have been like yeah yeah i don't know um and I wonder financial for finance, like I wonder if rights reasons, like he wasn't allowed to do a traditional version. Like if I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but it's it's worth watching. I'd say give it a watch if anyone listening is uh, curious. Like if you can hunt down a, a a way to watch it. I don't know where it's if it's streaming anywhere. If you just have to pay a bunch of money to watch it on whichever platform, but. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's That's kind cool. of interesting to see, like, I don't know, as a creative watching that movie, you're kind of really, it feels like you're watching someone's imagination mm-hmm. put on a screen. Like, I know that that's what all movies is, but right. it's it's more tangible in that movie. I feel like, oh, just hit my mic. More mm-hmm. tangible in that movie. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's I don't know. cool. It's got yeah. a lot of charm. If you, you know? want to watch it and you can't find a uh, physical copy, it is streaming on Amazon, or not Amazon, Apple TV for ah. seven bucks in the US. Boom. Right. If you got a VPN, you can do that. If you got one, two, three movies.com, that's illegal. <laughs> yeah. Don't, but do we're not that. above it. Don't do it. No, <laughs> it's not you? illegal. If you, you download it for a car. free, <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, real quick. Well, uh, no, I'm not going to tell the story because it would be me admitting to a, uh, something illegal. But it has to do with me forgetting <laughs> to use a VPN and me being scared. But then nothing happened, so it's all good. This leaves so many open possibilities of what could have happened, and it's better that way. It had to do yeah. with the topic of this current like conversation. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't download Paulo Blanco, would you? Or Bronco? Would you? <laughs> the, the strange Italian man like disintegrates like an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Or I, I don't know if he's French or whatever. I don't know. He's European, right? Spanish, uh, think, maybe? Uh, you know, let's see. What let's nationality see. Paulo is Bronco? What are you? Now that you're in my search history, I can search I'm gonna, him so quick. I'm going to guess Italian or Spanish, just based on that last name, Bronco. Zach, do you have a guess? I'm going to stick with Italian. I'm going to go Italian. I'm going to go French-Irish. On tonight's episode of Who's That Bronco? <laughs> the winner is neither of you, I guess, because he's from Portugal. Oh, okay. Oh, you said that. But, it, you said that earlier. Dang. Yeah. I wasn't paying oh. attention. I rem- <laughs> That's right. You said he was. I Portugal. couldn't remember it either. <laughs> he's it's from he's from Portugal. Okay. Uh, he's 72. So he might be getting out <laughs> of uh, the business soon anyways. Portuguese. That's a, a real quick side story. Amanda, Raquel, and I, we went to the Carver Cafe this weekend, which is where they shot a scene in the Twilight movies. And it's kind of like a a stop for Twilight fans. When we were there, there was this group of Portuguese girls there. And they were like Mm. telling Twilight quotes to each other. And they were like, so they would be like Portuguese, 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 Bella, where you've been, loca? Portuguese, Portuguese. You know what I mean? So it was kind of funny. So funny. She might need her toes one day. I know, exactly. So, um, but Portuguese is a confusing language if you know Spanish and or French or and or Italian because it you think it's Spanish, but then it's totally not, and it it's it's strange, but it's cool. I'm not that sounds kind of racist or something. <laughs> I'm not like I think it's, it's cool. Strange language from a strange <laughs> land. All of those Can't languages be regular Spanish because you think you hear <laughs> Spanish, but it's not, or you think it's Italian, but it's not. It's it's as weird in between yeah people who speak multiple languages know what i'm talking about yeah we don't like the portuguese language is what (laughs) what we're hearing (laughs) let's move on don't take that quote out of context dang it let's move on to our next segment in a now unless you have any closing thoughts ethan i was gonna say now people are gonna think i i 
now people are going to say, I think Coolsville sucks is what that made me think of from Scooby-Doo 2. Scooby-Doo 2. <laughs> this is going to be a Thomas. This is going to be a Thomas S meme on discord in no time. Oh yeah. <laughs> the first experience of media manipulation. Yes. It was Scooby-Doo 2 monsters unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, move on. <laughs> All right. In addition to talking about a troubled production every single week, we also have a little bit of a doomed movie club here where one of us picks a movie and we talk, we watch it over the week at some point, and then we come together and we talk about it. So it's kind of like our book club movie club. This week, it was Zach's turn to pick the movie for us. Zach, what did you pick? I picked the uh, 2022 film Babylon. Yeah. Yeah. What movie did we make you pick? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, here's the story behind it. I okay. didn't have one in mind last week. Right. And so Jordan Texas saying he watched Babylon during the week. Yes. Uh, sometime early in the week, like probably Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was like, wow, that was crazy. And I was like, you know what? I'll just do that one for this week because I meant I'd been meaning to watch it at some point, anyways. Mm-hmm. And Jordan had watched it, and Ethan had been meaning to watch it. So it's like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I stole my mom's Paramount Plus login to watch this movie. So, yeah, you know. I just finished it like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I just before midnight this. last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, fresh off your mind, Zach. Yeah. Or how do we want to go about this? But what are you like? What are your impressions? What stands <laughs> out? Yeah. What's I the movie very... about? <laughs> okay, so yes, we'll give a brief premise, <laughs> non-spoiler premise. So basically, it takes place in um, uh, Hollywood in the twenties uh, and thirties, um, and follows a series of different characters uh, that either are or enter into the uh, film industry um, and kind of follows their experiences and how they're kind of intertwined. Uh, Very much feels a lot like um, a uh, Tarantino ensemble film almost in some ways due to that format. Um, Yeah. It made me think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and that might have yeah. just because of Brad Pitt and Margot <laughs> yeah. Robbie and the subject yeah. matter, but mm-hmm. I told Sarah that it's like because she was like in and out, kind of watching and doing stuff, and she comes in, and she's like, "What's this movie like?" or like, "What's it about?" And I'm like, "This is Once Upon a Time on Hollywood on cocaine." Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of which one for was, a lot of reasons. <laughs> which one was more wild? Do you think because the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood goes so balls to the wall crazy? But this whole movie is like a cocaine trip or something. Yeah. I don't know. Like just the very opening of the movie Uh sets you up. (laughs) And I don't mean, I don't mean the uh, 30 minute long extensive party slash orgy scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, the elephant scene that that's right. Precedes it. (laughs) That's right. Um. So okay, since we're since we're I feel like we're all gonna be scattered right now. I'm just gonna speak what comes to my mind. Was anyone else thinking of like hell during this movie? Like the opening yes. party sequence, 
their costumes and the architecture and the colors yeah the color grading made me think of if they were going to make a movie about like paradise lost or like dante's inferno like way back in the 20s this is what it would this is what hell would look like in the 20s and so when i was watching the movie i was like i was totally thinking like they're like in the rings of hell and they're going like for do and like the basement scene at mm-hmm. the end like, yeah, like, yeah. The going... and, like again i haven't read paradise lost or the or the divine comedy or i keep wait is paradise yeah. lost the same thing or a different thing uh paradise lost is its own thing okay never... i can tell you about my two copies on my desk right now <laughs> i'm ready to go I, I, i'm thinking of the divine comedy sorry i haven't read the divine comedy but like the opening party just like gene smarts like headdress made me think oh she's like the de- she looks like the devil or something like mm-hmm. i don't it made me think of like this movie's about like the rings of hell and yeah. like the horrible like nature of hollywood and all that but i don't know the name babylon felt very fitting mm-hmm. like i mean just yeah. if you know anything about like i mean the bible History. like it's comparison using babylon as this like analogy for uh a city of sin and um just immorality um mm-hmm. and corruption you definitely get a sense of that like that the title is very fitting right um, well and simultaneously babylon was also the uh center of power in the western world for a very long time yeah um and you kind of get to see that in a, or a parallel rather in like the uh addition of sound to movies and stuff like this and kind of like the progression of technology in this movie in comparison to like the progression of technology in society in um Mm -hmm. ancient times and stuff like that so i think that was another parallel that was very interesting Um, the sound scene where they're trying to get that take of margot robbie and the sound is introduced like it was so funny because you hear stories about that in film school, but you don't think yeah. of it in like real, like what it actually would have been like, like yeah. the implications. Like it was, that was great. It's yeah, stressful. it was so good. Gosh. Again, like the movie, every scene, like I know people talk about the movies too long or this or that no. about the movie. No, mm-hmm. I disagree. No. Every scene, even if you feel that way, I think every scene is so well crafted and so well put together and everything feeds in so well. I'm so entertained by each one mm-hmm. that I don't care. Even mm-hmm. though I, it did feel like a long movie. Like, you know, there's some long movies that feel an hour shorter and there's movies that are short that feel two hours longer. Mm-hmm. This one felt its length to me. Like mm-hmm. I felt like this was a three hour movie. Um, part of that might've been because I really wanted to go to bed and it was like, a Sunday night, and I had to get up early in the morning. Uh-huh. I wasn't finishing till like midnight. But <laughs> this movie felt its length, not in a bad way. Like yeah. I was thoroughly entertained by it, though I was like, scared my roommates were going to walk in the room many times because I'm watching in the downstairs. Yeah, and there's a lot of scenes that I'm like, just don't catch me right now watching this. Yeah, <laughs> please That's, don't. I think it's a strength to the editing because, um, the editing just like on an individual moment to moment scene to scene frame to frame basis is so strong and well crafted and you can oh, see yeah. his his musical influence because he went to school to be a musician i think the director like he was mm-hmm. a i think yeah. whiplash was based on his experiences and so like every kind of it felt like very structured like there's a lot of he's keeping the rhythm of the movie in mind 
Like the yeah. there's a scene where the dude's uh the main character man he's rushing to the camera store to get a mm-hmm. film thing and it's cross cutting between all these different moments and it's it's so paced so well where it's all it's like a bunch a series of rapid punches and then it's just stillness yeah and series of rapid punches and then stillness like that's what it felt like the whole movie mm-hmm. and something like once upon a time in hollywood this isn't a knock on that movie because that movie was what it needed to be but that is a much more slower more methodical meditative movie meditative is a weird u- word to use for that movie because it is kind of it's a very <laughs> yeah. much a tarantino movie mm-hmm. but compared to babylon which is very much like it's it feels like a like you're listening to music or like a score yeah. like it's there's it's mm-hmm. paced very specifically and the editing is so strong that i agree Ethan. i don't notice the length at all yeah. um mm-hmm. and not saying i do in once upon a time in hollywood either but if that you compare, movie goes fast <laughs> that movie goes fast but if you're going to compare the two the editing in babylon feels a lot more snappy a lot more like like it's it's giving you highs and lows ups yeah. and downs like it's moving yeah. it's moving you emotionally i think and then well, it, it plugs yeah. you it feels like it plugs you into the mindset of all the characters like you feel like you're a part of that world in this hollywood culture right away mm-hmm. like with yeah. once by the time the title card hits mm-hmm. very far into the movie like 30 minutes yeah, yeah. it was like crazy 30 literally 30 in. minutes yeah but by the point, by the time that happens, you are like saturated in what this movie is. And I felt like the, it's such a weird thing. I don't, I don't know if I can say many movies have done this, but the mindset of the characters and the way they are feeling inside and like this go, 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 mm-hmm. how like the, the pressures of the system that they're in are like pulling them and driving them to do more. Mm-hmm. That mindset felt contagious in a weird way and those emotions Mm -hmm. felt really contagious in this movie in a way that i don't feel like i've felt in a long time and like a movie just like giving me the feelings that these characters are feeling um yeah it felt very visceral it's like la la land was a celebration of the arts in the movies and this is like the antithesis this is like hollywood is broken and is filled with degenerates and weird and like and it's Mm -hmm. filled with like crazy amount of crime and like it's the opposite it's like this there's a bunch of toxic people in the system and we know it's true like with all the stuff that's come out in recent years but like Mm -hmm. imagine back then with not you know what was going on then but then also it's near at the end of the movie there's this kind of scene that signify or that like hints at like but maybe it's worth it you know what i mean like despite all the garbage and the nonsense and and uh toxicity and just horrible things that are going on it still makes movies that manage to move us and like touch us deeply and it's like this question mark at the end that end scene with manny oh shouldn't light spoilers um yeah end scene with manny is it to me is like a question mark of like hollywood is filled with it's it's toxic question mark yeah. that's like what that is to me mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean yeah, it the definitely movie felt like yeah. oh sorry go ahead zach go ahead zach okay know. yeah it definitely felt like it was portraying like this like fall from grace and this like broken beauty of like this like what once was great has slowly descended and become corrupted 
um, by these various different facets by its very, very much by itself mm-hmm. um, and kind of getting to see um, the circumstances of the ending and uh, how things come back around is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think you put it very well of like, is it worth it? It might've been <laughs> type of thing, <laughs> um, which was really cool. So yeah yeah which which again was going back to the la la land thing like the end of that movie is also much like a they uh, more slight more spoilers for la la land but that movie's really old the end of it they both get the careers that they wanted but there's a question mark of was that result worth it to sacrifice Mm -hmm. our personal lives and this whole first one is like we're sacrificing our bodies our sweat and tears our like morality our souls our souls and but like is that worth like but we get what like this beautiful thing that'll live on forever um is that worth like you know it's it's really interesting i think that would make a really weird double bill la la land and babylon Mm, (laughs) yeah yeah there was that one scene between um the gossip writer and brad's character gene Gene smart Smart, yes that like really hit me where I was like, wow, this, okay. So this is what the movie is saying. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I could p- kind of put it together that way, but then just how well written it was. I think it's mm-hmm. like probably about two thirds of the way through the movie, maybe a little bit more. It's, it's like a minute end. long scene. It's like two yeah. minutes long. It's really short. Yeah. You know? um, but it's like, you're feeling the scene from the perspective of Brad Pitt's character and like where he is and then you're listening to this person explaining the situation and it's like wow she's right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is this is but is what she is saying what we want to be hearing right now as the audience in the shoes of this character type of thing Mm -hmm. and it's like it's like both beautiful and tragic at the same time of like man what yeah yeah, yeah. it's so good it's a great yeah. i i mean i know we've said before on this thing we are not reviewers this all of this is our opinions and we don't even mm-hmm. like talking reviews but our mm-hmm. impressions of it like we i think we it's fair to say we all really enjoyed the film um mm-hmm. we had a good time with it yeah two weeks of very intense films between babylon and uh blonde i know yeah i know both back three hours back. long too. Yeah, both, both about Hollywood. <laughs> it's yeah. about Hollywood. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. there's okay. That might, that's a kind of interesting thing yeah. there too. Anyways, yeah, I get to pick next, so I'm curious. I don't know what I'm going to pick yet, but yeah, maybe something lighter, <laughs> maybe <laughs> something shorter. Go for like a ninety minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Are there any other thoughts on uh, Babylon? I don't know. Okay. Well, I guess let's just move on to our our final segment of the show, which is uh, what are you working on? <clears throat> As we've said before, we, we make feature films here on, on YouTube at our channel, Doom Productions. You can check them out for free online on our channel. Uh, and this is where we like to just let the folks know what we got going on here. Um, yeah, who wants to go first? Zach, 
Sure. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm voting you in. <laughs> um, I've currently been um, continuing to uh, write and uh, work on my feature film. Um, for those of you who do not know, um, what from what little we have told you, um, each of us are uh, adapting a book in the public domain and creating a feature film out of them. Um, and so I've been working on mine. It's been going well the last couple of days. I've been out of the country, so um, I haven't been doing much on that. Um, but that's the update on that particular feature film. Um, I have been also, I started editing and playing around with footage um, that I got back in December in Hawaii. Um, for a short that I'm making. Um, so that's been interesting and kind of fun to uh, play around with like how I want that specific stuff to fit into the overall thing. Cause that's only one part of the overall short that I'm creating. So um, that's been that's kind fine. of fun as like a side thing to uh, be like, well, I'm not writing right now. Maybe I can do some editing. So mm -hmm. yeah you've beat us for uh most exotic location uh, hawaii <laughs> <Yes>. yeah <laughs> twice i know you've done it twice um between wild boys and this yeah it's been yeah that's yeah some point we will shoot in in hawaii for wild boys i don't know yeah. when but at some point well i mean yeah. aside from your thing at the end of wild boys 2 but yeah if there are any producers that listen to this podcast who are open to uh, very nefarious contract deals uh, who may or may not be named Paulo and can get us like a couple million dollars. <laughs> or euros. We'll take either one. Or euros. Yeah. <laughs> we only need 14 million. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I've been... I've... I'll I'll go because it's not like nothing huge and major, but like I've been doing finish wrapping up Ladonza of sorts. Um, there's going to be some big news coming out. I don't know when I got to get all my ducks in a row, so to speak, before we start announcing stuff, but working on that, working on um, a script, uh, two, well, two scripts, one for our book adaptations. The other one is another film that we're going to shoot in Yakima this year um and yeah that's that's pretty much all i got for me yeah uh so i'm supposed to be working on my adaptation for you know our, our triple feature thing and while i was working on editing or writing the notes for this podcast episode it inspired me it it tapped into something an idea i've had for a film um and so I wrote an outline for another feature film that may or may not be shot more likely next year than this year. But, um, and I'll just say it for, uh, to keep things interesting since we're usually so secretive, this would be a feature film derived from our short film trilogy, the mustache trilogy, specifically the last installment called righteous hombres. So if you want an idea of what this feature could be like, go watch Righteous Hombres. Mm -hmm. So that's we'll all I'll say. have to I'll scroll say. down a ways, but you will you find, have to it. find it. 
but uh <laughs> it's worth watching it's an old an oldie but a goodie from the far off year of 2015 a time before the man who killed don quixote was finished <laughs> <laughs> that was eight years ago wow. that was a long time Damn. yeah eight years yeah we've been doing this this is our 10th year of this youtube channel it has been 10 years oh my goodness on may something i have to go back and look at the the dates yeah i'm pretty sure this is our 10th year yeah wow that was i just realized that yeah we've been doing this to do a 10 year thing in may just an idea (laughs) yeah yeah what could we do if anyone has any ideas of what we could do please send them to us yeah Yeah, leave them in the comments because i i mean yeah that's oh gosh i'm having an existential crisis over here you know we've been uh we've been doing this a long time yeah but oh wait hold on i'm trying to pull up our channel so i can get an exact date now that i'm thinking about it yeah oh the Ah. first thing we made i'll say is it was rendezvous midnight that was the first short we ever made Um, yeah Jack was just a fetus at that time so he wasn't around (laughs) You know, the channel actually exists. No, I'm joking. Wait, <laughs> I know. How, wait, how old were you in 2013, Zach? 2013, I was 12. Okay, and we were, I would have been, oh, I would have been 18. Yeah, right? Yeah, because well, I'm 95. Or Jordan's I'm 95. Mm-hmm. I'm 96. And Zach, you're 99? I'm 2001. That is so weird. Oh, I you're a what giant, are you? I'm jealous. <laughs> I forget that you're that young. It's it's crazy. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh, who let you in? Just kidding. Um, you. <laughs> I know that might have been us. Um, shoot, but yeah. Anyways, August yeah, been... August like eleventh actually or first or whatever was actually the day the channel was created. But we made the movie. We didn't make anything until later. I don't know what, oh, really? what took us so long. I don't know what took us so long. So we made something so twenty thirteen like... is when uh uh Rendezvous Midnight came out. So the channel was twenty twelve? Mm-hmm. Okay. But so we would have been... come out it would have been happening around the time of um Wild Boys. Maybe a little later than Wild Boys, the first Wild Boys. Different, different Wild Boys. <laughs> different Wild Boys, OG Wild Boys. That maybe, maybe someday on like Patreon, they can watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be a trip. Um, it would be. Yeah, the Wild Boys enter an alternate universe. <laughs> oh wait, I got something else I can share. That's Hold an on. idea, actually. I got something else. I just remembered. Hold on. Um, let's see oh. if I can reach this from over here i am uh i won't i'll i'll be a little cryptic with this but i i'll share that um I've this is been why work- i said what i was making <laughs> i was I've like because we hold out so much i feel bad i've been working <laughs> on an animated project and i've been storyboarding that and um let me see i'm gonna find a a page of the storyboard that i can share that's not gonna be too spoilery there's a still for 0.1 seconds that you guys can see. If you're listening on the pod, if you're listening on Spotify, this is why sometimes it's nice to listen on YouTube. 
because you can okay. see it. Yeah, I'll I'll do. I'll wait. No, the frame is, gives a little too much away. Let's see. I don't even know. I haven't. We haven't seen any of this yet. I don't think. This is a first for everyone. Okay. Oh, I got to turn the brightness down. Hold on. <laughs> I'm like ah. Oh. Okay. blinding lights let's see if we can can we see that hold on hold on ah where, do, where are we i Wait. see it i know what this is i can um, kind of make it out yeah i i think i know what this is so we got yeah there's going to be an animated project i don't it's going to be done when it's done but i would like to have it done this year but I'm, you know, I'm taking my time with it. Um, so yeah, working on an animated thing. I totally forgot about that. Well, he's sharing it. I didn't forget about it, but yeah, you know. that's exciting. Yeah. Um, it's probably a good place to wrap up there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is that or uh, who who wants to take us out? Well, thank you all for watching. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, if you are on Spotify, uh, check us out on YouTube. We would really appreciate it. And uh, check out our movies, regardless of where you are listening. Um, we appreciate it if you give us a like and a subscribe. Um, I know that can be annoying when people ask that, but we still appreciate it. Also, give us money on Patreon. We appreciate it, and we do monthly live streams. <laughs> Oh, yes, we uh, have a monthly live stream coming up. Oh, yeah, right. it's on March 16th. March 16th. Yeah. I think it's going to be, what, 5 p.m. PST? Yeah, 5 um, p.m. Pacific Standard. So if you're not following us on Patreon and you want to be a part of that, um, last, well, one, last was one was fun. It was fun. It was yeah. great. We only we had well. one person in there, but it was really, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. We answered their questions. They They let us know what they wanted to know, and we answered it as best we could. I hope that was satisfying for them it was fun it was, for us it was like a yeah. mini like uh film school lecture like q a kind of thing so if you want to know yeah. the a little bit behind the curtains i think you know i think we'd be we'll be a little more like not that we're going to reveal all the secrets but i think we will be a little bit more you know loose-lipped with the uh some of our projects we can share a little bit more details yeah, on those yeah. kind of things look if you ask we're not going to say no no yeah. Might just give you a little more. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, but March 16th, March 16th, 5 p.m. PST, Pacific Standard Time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you can find the links for all this stuff down below. Mm -hmm. um, that's the place to look. But thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Doom Productions podcast. We look forward to seeing you all on the next one.